There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello. You're listening to BFN. This is the podcast about infertility, IVF, and the trials of trying for a baby. I'm Emma. And I'm Gabby, and we're two card-carrying members of the Infertility Club. Hello. I think I got the intro wrong, didn't I? I said both instead of, I said two instead of both. It's been so long. Oh, well, it has been so long. How long has it been? Uh, many, many moons. Yeah, too many moons. Yeah, too many moons, too many, many, many moons. Many, many moons. How are you, mate? Uh, I've got COVID, so I'm not great. Oh, yeah. It's pretty shit. shit. I'll talk shit. about that in a bit, shall we? Sorry, Sorry about that, mate. Um, yeah, how are you? You all right? Hey, good. Yeah? It's my birthday, pretty much. It's your birthday pretty much. How yeah. was it? Did you have oh, a good time? I had a great time. My birthday yesterday. Um, yeah, we just took um took a little half day off each, my yeah. my husband and I. Yeah. Went off and had some lunch. I um you can kind of tell my age by the presents that I got from my husband. <laughs> what did you get? Can you guess what one 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 of them might have been? Um, um you're looking at your nails a lot. Did you get a manny? No. What did you get? He bought me Botox. Oh my God, you actually got it. And, are you ready? Now this was a surprise. Earwax cleaning <laughs> at a special clinic. Wow. <laughs> Both clinic-based presents. What a romantic guy. <laughs> I was sitting there, I was like, oh my God, you couldn't, oh wow. I mean, yeah. That's my age. <laughs> when are you going to go and get the Botox done, mate? This is a bit of a bomb that's been dropped. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And by the way, to anyone that's like, oh my God, I can't believe a husband would buy a wife Botox. That's awful. But I do, I have been talking about it and dropping hints wildly for a long time. And I know the optics aren't great, but yeah, it's it's very much, it was a, a longed, longed for gift. The optics <laughs> will be great, pal. Yeah, exactly. Optics will be great very soon. Thank you. Thank you. I just, do you know what? I got my fringe because I wanted to cover up my wrinkly forehead and I just, I want to grow the fringe out. It's a pain in the bum. So I'm like, well, I guess it's Botox then. Mate, I am like deeply impressed and 
I can't wait to see the results before I copy. Well, I figure we're all, you know, well-versed in needles. I'm not scared. So quite a way. And this podcast is changing. It's now <laughs> exactly. Gabby's plastic surgery podcast. <laughs> what are you going to get done next? You are welcome, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's me. That's me. Okay. okay well, um, yeah, what's, what's happened since we've been off, mate? Like, I'm just trying to think fucking lots um the whole abortion thing in the states is the biggest oh thing i think potentially i i can't read about it without wanting to cry yeah it's very anger making isn't it it's it's, it's it horrific is. yeah i mean you know we've talked or certainly i've talked about like how i went through my very short pro life stage mm. during my infertility and then was kind of <laughs> jogged out of it um, and I'm now very strongly pro-choice. But, you know, the the effect that it, that potentially is going to have on IVF. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, the implications for us and our um, community yeah. are huge. So one, one of our friends has done some really good um, research into this and kind of is helping people to understand the implications for them if they're going through IVF or if they are planning to go through IVF. Um, Ariel Spiegel is her her um instagram is literally ariel spiegel but she runs a website called co-fertility yeah if you just look up co-fertility look up co-fertility if you're if you're us based anyway she's a great person to follow because she does loads of like myth busting and like you know talks about grants and like her website's good explainer site Mm. um she's really lovely i met her in new york a few years ago which i'm very excited about any opportunity to mention that one trip to new york i had um Um, but yeah i'm i think once we kind of understand a bit more of what i mean once anyone understands more of what the implications are then we'll probably do a show on it yeah I think it deserves a lot more time than we probably have in this episode um so I would suggest we will do a longer talk about it um sometime soon yeah um in the meantime we have got a very special guest today we do um who are we talking to Gabs Emma B Emma B, it's Emma Barnett, you guys, the host of Woman's Hour. So excited to talk to her. Um, and or like, I mean, most of you will re- have read the piece that she wrote in the Times a few months ago now um, about her struggles to conceive her second child, yeah. um, doing rounds and rounds of IVF. So we spoke to her about that, about her endometriosis, about how she juggles like an incredibly high profile career with um, IVF. Yeah. She, I mean, she's um, she's always been a big champion, hasn't she? Um, and spoken mm. about her IVF in the past. Um, and um, yeah, she's very articulate on it. And it's you know she's you know going through IVF at the moment for her second child, which again is a is an angle that is unique. And she's very kind of thoughtful on it as well. Um, I thought she was she's great to chat. Yeah. Um. And also, guess who's back? Back again. Tim is back. <laughs> Yeah, literally I got him on Instagram this time I was like I've been emailing him but not getting anything back this time I was like right I'm stalking you on your Instagram Tim and he got back to me straight away I was like yes (laughs) yeah and he's talking actually it's a bit of a theme this week isn't it he's talking about conceiving a second child yes a god that was an accidental uh yeah accidental twinning of, yeah. of content um 
Yeah, well, we, we did a shout out uh, a couple of months ago about what questions you'd like to put to Tim, even when he came back. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them was this kind of thing of like people doing IVF and then getting pregnant naturally straight away afterwards. And is it a thing? Is, it a, is there a medical reason for it? You know, the way everyone kind of looks at you after you've had IVF going, oh, I bet you'll get pregnant naturally next time. <laughs> Fuck off. Yeah. Is there any medical <laughs> science behind that? Yeah. Um, and then, and I've got some news, which you'll find out in a minute. Mm. Yeah. Oh, no shit. Hold on to your hats, babe. <laughs> but until then, I guess um, you can reach us on Instagram. At Big Fat Negative. You can reach us on Twitter. At Big Fat Negative. You can email us. Big Fat Negative Podcast at gmail.com. Um, and you can buy our book. Big fat negative. Also, you can see what we're doing here. Yeah. <laughs> we're not very creative. <laughs> we very much came up with one name and stuck with it. Um, so for now, guys, and I'm very happy to be back in saying this. Enjoy the show. It's great to be back, guys. So, Emma, you've got okay. some news, have you? I think, well, it may or may not be news, really. But um, and for reasons I'll explain, or actually you guys all know, is that my body's a bastard. But yes, we have finally decided to try for a second. Hooray! Hey! Hey! And the crowd um, goes wild. Whoop! It's been a process, a journey, deciding to go there. I spent a long time wondering if my head can go there again. Mm-hmm. Um, as you and I talked about on the episode a while ago, um, I spent a long time wondering whether I would be able to, well, whether I would kind of l- not lose friends, but yeah, I guess lose friends a little bit. I'll have to distance myself from my friends again. I basically didn't know whether I wanted to go back into that headspace where I could end up incredibly sad and bitter again. Yeah. Um, so that was quite a quite a process but um the thing that kind of hammered it home to me was that I saw a guy that I know who just had twins by IVF um and he's got an older daughter as well and he just he said to me we have spent seven years thinking about getting pregnant trying to get pregnant doing IVF having our first thinking about it again wondering about it now we're never going to think about it again. And I was like, oh my God, that is an absolute dream. Yeah, like that's that, certainly one way of looking at it. Yeah, I mean, that is, I just never want to have to think about it again. So I was like, right, we're just going to do it. We're going to try and get it over with. I've got three embryos in the freezer. For me, um, an egg collection, I don't want to do again. Yeah, so if these okay. three embryos don't work, then that's it and I'm done like I am so lucky to have one already mm-hmm. child that is mm-hmm. um and lucky to have three embryos and lucky to have three exactly so I just I think you know that the number of people that we've spoken to who have been like you've got to draw a line somewhere so I've decided that my line is no more no more stems no more egg collections yeah so I'm getting on in age. Well, yeah. 
I'm a bit older than you, so I'm like, maybe a spring chicken. <laughs> You're fine. Um, uh, no, I think that's a very sensible line to have. Um, and I think if I were to jump off the fence, I'm currently sticking into my buttocks. Um, <laughs> I would be the same. Yeah. But I'm not there yet, so. Also, stims are so fucking expensive. Like, um, yeah. My big difference, so the big difference between this time and last time and um, I'm due to start my drugs in a couple of weeks and then that will be straight into a frozen embryo transfer. Um, but the big difference this time is obviously we're having to pay. You don't get it on the mm-hmm. NHS for a second maybe. Um, the NHS has a one-child policy. Of course. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we paid. Um, the big difference for me is just the fact that I was able to get an appointment straight away. Mm, like I dropped them an email being like oh yeah we're thinking about starting again and they're like okay well um here are your two options so you can either go in as like pay a bit less and you do it's kind of the same how do I explain it you it's the same kind of service that I got during my NHS round which is mainly led by nurses okay um or you can get kind of special they call it personalized care which is like consultant led so you like pick your consultant and you're just working with the consultant and right. like I during my first round saw the consultant once and that was pretty much me done <laughs> maybe a couple of times actually but um it yeah it was mainly nurses that I was seeing yeah apart from like the big big moments this is going to be I mean the consultant like did a scan on me this time so um yeah. Yeah, it's a nicer scan. I mean, it was the same kind of scan. It was identical. But yeah, we we went for a consultant lad, and they were like, "Okay, well, she's got um, she's got an appointment next Tuesday or Wednesday. She's got three on Thursday, or you can come in the next week." And I was like, "Oh, mate, like I was expecting an eight week wait." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually, I'm not not actually ready to see her yet. Yeah, Um, I'm not. I've just no, no, no. I just wanted to get on the waiting list. I have her direct line, I have her email address, I have her secretary's email address, I have her secretary's direct line. Wow. Okay. Um, do you remember like the, the hours I spent on hold last time? Yeah, man. Like days and weeks of my life that I spent on hold. I also now know all about the quality of my embryos. Oh, interesting. Because the last time they were like, they're all just like best quality. They're not mm. all best quality. They're all like, I think the best one is a 5BB. Obviously, okay, yeah. um embryo quality is morphological it's literally what they see down a microscope it doesn't describe the quality of the dna inside so it's kind of i did say to the consultant like what do you think of morphological quality and she was like i think it's bullshit did you say morphological quality or did you say embryo grading no i i said um i said that because i wanted her to know that um i know all about you know what you were talking about yeah you want to scare yeah. her with your Prowess. I wanted to impress her and she was not impressed. Not even <laughs> slightly. She's quite no nonsense. She was like, okay. oh. yeah. like, not even like an eyebrow raised. Sorry, and what was her answer? She thinks it's bullshit. Okay. I don't think she said the words bullshit, but she went, oh, she probably no, didn't no. say bullshit. No. Yeah. But anyway, like that, I found that quite interesting. Like, but I mean, that's it, what you tend to hear, isn't it? And it's why you don't often find out is because you can have a, a embryo that's graded like really well that doesn't stink yeah. and one that's graded what you in your head is really badly and then that's the one that works so yeah so my one the only one of mine that didn't work 
The only one of mine that was 5AA was the one that didn't work. Okay, yeah, well, there you go. So, I suppose. there you go, yeah. Take no heed um, of your gradings, guys. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's quite, it's weird to have kind of all this information at my disposal because obviously yeah. it kind of wanders across your mind at night. Yeah, um, yeah, of course. But I think the the big difference for me is the fact that I already have a child. For sure. Like, I think that the physical sensation of having empty arms is just, is the not worst. there. Yeah. It's not, yeah, it's not. I mean, you know, a lot of people go through secondary infertility and I'm in no way saying that it's not a thing. But for me, I guess I've had my expectations managed. Mm-hmm. Like I know the possibility of this not working. I know that I can't have another child naturally. So for me, you know, the bar is fairly low. I guess. Mm. Um, so yeah, mm. so it's so I'm oddly blasé about the whole situation, which is okay. a very weird sensation. It's probably good, right? Yeah, I don't know if I'm like forcing myself into this or if it's actually my my authentic feelings. Yeah, yeah. But um, and we'll never know. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if I get a positive test, I will not be blasé at that point. I will be no. over the moon. And probably negative. You'll be blasé about that either. Yeah, I'll probably be really sad. But, mm. like, my question is, will I be as sad as I was when I didn't have a child? I mean... Weirdly, there's only one way to find out. Yeah. I mean, you'd wager not, right? Yeah, I don't think... I don't think I could be... But that's, again, coming from my experience uh-huh, uh-huh, of, of yeah. primary infertility. Yeah. It's weird. It's like, it's hard to say this without being like second. I'm not saying that secondary infertility isn't as hard. I'm just saying that I don't think I will find it as hard the second time around. And I guess it's because I'm very aware of my chances like, I think it's all about expectation management. Yeah. Basically. Well, this is the thing. So secondary infertility is not the second time you've had infertility, is it? So right. No. It's your, the first time you have infertility, whether it's for your first child or your second, is going to be hard. Yeah. And so if you're going through secondary infertility, you've never been there before, you haven't experienced this before, of course it's going to be fucking heartbreaking and an awful experience. I suppose it's all, you know. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um. And I think, I don't know if the reason I'm slightly blasé is because in my head, like, I had an embryo from this batch that worked last time. I was on a certain drugs protocol, which I'm going to mm-hmm. go back on. Mm-hmm. Like, everything should be the same, shouldn't it? Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't it work? So maybe that's, like, why I'm being quite blasé. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, yeah, of course it's going to work. Yeah, of course. A bit sure. Well, yeah, which is really stupid because, like, we know so many people. Yeah. We know, like, probably dozens of people who've had one success and then no more success mm-hmm, mm-hmm, of course. but you know that if that's look if that's the way you're going into this and it's helping you then embrace yeah. it it means I'm not obsessing yeah um which is quite nice yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah and then I guess the other thing to say to kind of prepare you all for what this series is going to be like um is that I, it turns out I do, in fact, have endometriosis. Yay. Yay. So um, I don't know if this is an official diagnosis. I don't think I've had an official diagnosis. But when um, the consultant did the scan on me, there was an enormous endometrioma, like, on my ovary. 
that was so big that um, you couldn't see the ovary. Wow, that sounds big. Yeah, and I've had some like big, like horrible, sicky periods recently. Yeah, you've been floored so, a bit, haven't you? Yeah, um, and so that could have an impact on on what happens next, but we don't know because the only way you can diagnose endometriosis properly is with surgery. Yes, and indeed. I'm not having that. No, no. <laughs> so, well, just see how it goes, right? Yeah, maybe one day. Mm. Um, mate, well, that's a fantastic intro. Thanks. Thanks for bringing us up to speed. Um, yeah, that is that's me. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm in no way massively intimidated by uh, interviewing. I think you were crowned Britain's best interviewer last year. But welcome to the podcast. That's very kind of you. Thank you very much for having me. I, uh, I've been a fan of both of your, your work for longer than you both know. Oh, well, that means you. an awful lot. It does. Um, well, in that case, you know how we start every single podcast, um, and that is, tell us about your journey. Your journey, that word that you love. Mm. Oh. Do we love it, though? No, 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 no one does. <laughs> we just use it, because it's the only one we can think of. Terrible trip that none of us wanted to go on, um, and now we are veterans with many many passport stamps. Um, yeah. Yes, I have been on the fertility mill twice. I am still on it for the second time. And actually, it was somebody in the infertility community on Instagram who corrected me recently because I did talk oh. about having secondary infertility. And that's not actually true because mm. for me, I had it the first time round. <laughs> continued to have it so um that was that was a wrong description by me when I wrote a recent article that perhaps we'll talk about in the times um I started trying to we started trying to conceive 
probably in 2015, 2016, when I was heading towards being 30, been married a couple of years, been with my husband since university. And actually, it was a bit earlier than I wanted to, but I thought, you know what, let's let's just see, because I'd always had a bit of a bad feeling that when I would, it wouldn't go very well, because I had suffered all my life with the most extraordinary periods and and Mm -hmm. not in a good sense so fast forward two and a half years I mean we can obviously talk about some of the emotions in that time Mm -hmm. I wasn't getting pregnant and I knew something was wrong because I collapsed in Sweden on a holiday my mother-in-law's from there Um, I couldn't move my body it was during another period after another month of trying and enough was enough kind of thing Mm -hmm. and I Mm -hmm. Finally, again, you know, I've sort of talked about this elsewhere and written about it, but I eventually got this diagnosis of endometriosis. And then I also have something called adenomyosis, which is in your womb as well. So that's that's the evil sister of endo, of which Mm. even less is known. And I had a laparoscopy to have that diagnosed, uh, the keyhole procedure. And in that, they treated it. Where finally a tiny shred of luck came in was that the endo hadn't hit my fallopian tubes or my womb in in a specific way like it can right and I I was told well in the next six months you can you can get pregnant lots of women do after this you know what they say is quite mild because it's keyhole surgery but I have to say I felt like I've been hit like a bus after (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. um it that didn't happen and so I eventually met an amazing woman in the NHS totally the sort of first fairy if you like on my journey because I'm quite a fan mm. of IVF fairies mm, and we'll talk said, about those later yes let's well and she said oh for god's sake Emma just have IVF at the very at the very least you will get a reprieve from your period for six weeks and I said where do I sign <laughs> I thought, you know what? if nothing else <laughs> I'd rather get off my face on some horrendous chemicals than carry on having these periods so that's how IVF happened the first time and that <laughs> was amazing because I got pregnant and I was able to keep the baby and that is our four-year-old son so my IVF journey if you like was actually very short but the road to IVF was very long for me Mm. uh, because I kept trying naturally thinking something would give something would happen and then to bring you up to speed the second part of it is that Nearly two years ago, we started trying again. We had frozen embryos. I, having, if you like, been in the IVF casino only once, had that <laughs> beginner's luck vibe. Like uh, a Here we go. was extremely fortunate that I just managed to get the embryo transfer literally as lockdown was happening. My wow. first one. And it didn't work. And it was mm. the worst feeling and the biggest shock even though I know the odds and I have then done five more rounds and here we are there's there's not a baby I mean you you mentioned there that um you kind of went in with that beginner's luck feeling the second time round it's it do you feel like if you if your expectations have been managed that you wouldn't have had that kind of level of grief when it didn't work. Like if you kind of, I mean, you said you knew the, you knew the odds, but I feel like there's a difference between knowing the odds and knowing the odds. Yes. I mean, 
I, I don't actually want to say that I thought it was going to work because I never think things are going to work. I'm like that in my life, you know. <laughs> um, but I had I had had such a good experience of it. You know, don't get me wrong, the drugs had been awful and all that sort mm. of stuff, but the outcome had been good. That I had faith, yeah. I, I felt, and I also felt I knew it worked for me. And I yeah. knew we had produced, very luckily, I think the, the figure was... 10 or 11 were in the freezer they were all the best you could have I was told obviously you don't know till they're defrosted right yeah um and you know it's it's just something that you obviously buy into I mean quite literally I'd had the first (laughs) one in the NHS now I had to pay I stayed I I do get asked this sometimes uh, and I don't not because I don't want to share it but it's it's kind of inside baseball but I feel this podcast is that for this world if But I stayed within the context of the NHS and now I pay within the NHS. Yeah. I didn't go to a different clinic. I think, you know, that's also yeah. a big part of this. You know, do you stick or twist? Do you stay with yeah. the same? Do you move? And I've stuck. And, um, you know, again, I'm, I'm happy to, to answer more detailed questions, but the the frozen element was new. And the reason I also felt a bit better is because it's half the time. It's half the drugs. Mm. Mm, yeah, I, of course. I was producing potentially a baby from the same group of embryos that my son was from. There was just something about it all that felt hopeful and nice until it didn't. Well, I feel like if something's worked before, like why wouldn't it work again, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I I, I beat myself up for feeling hopeful in any way afterwards, but (laughs) that's based on, as you say, experience. I think I wear that same armour because... I had a round of IVF and it worked. And whether I go on to have another one or not, I in my the back of my head, even though I know and we've spoken to so many women and couples, everyone who it hasn't worked out for, but still there is a little part of me that thinks the same. It's like, well, it worked, didn't it? And it's the same batch. So obviously I'm one of the lucky ones. Mm. But um, it's important to hear when it doesn't go well. Um, I think you had one of the best lines of copy I've ever read. You wrote, um, I'm reporting to you live from the front lines of failure in the article that you mentioned earlier. How important has that been to you in what you're doing now that you present what it's like to to fail? Yeah, I mean, and some people, as you well know, do not like the word fail in this context. But I feel mm. it's very important for me, certainly, to 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 speak plainly about it and speak as I see it and find it, and also the reality, which is you don't go in to get a bit pregnant. You go into the casino to to get pregnant and to leave with a child. And if you don't do that, well, the definition of that is is failure. You know, it doesn't mean I'm a failure. It just means it failed. The process failed. The situation failed. So I don't know. Something happened to me in January where when I had the miscarriage, we had the miscarriage, we lost our baby because it did eventually work, this process the second Mm -hmm. time around that I just sat on the rug in my living room and I thought I need to I need to just say it because this has been going on coming up to two years I live a life a month on drugs a month off drugs I still have a very good life a very fulfilled life a very happy life because of course I now have a child doing IVF with a child is completely different yeah and I have never felt, though, that I have left the community of those trying for a baby, but I am extremely, mm. I'm just in a completely different place and I never wish to speak for those 
those people, those couples, those women. But I was back in a different base camp and, and in a different place. And I thought, I never read those stories. And the reason we never read those stories is because people want privacy. People are traumatised. People are very scared for their jobs. And then I looked at what I did for a living and I thought, well, I present Newsnight and I present something called Woman's Hour. <laughs> and I'm willing to bet, maybe I'm be proved wrong, I don't know, I'm still in the job, um, that if I talk about this, if I write about this, that a programme that's dedicated to equality and tells many tales of maternity discrimination and such like, mm-hmm. that I will still have a job on the other side of it. But it felt very un-me. I, I, I don't share photos of my family on Instagram I'm, I'm, mm. I'm private about my private life but I'm public about m- the parts of my life that I think are fair and I also think you know I I don't share lots of emotions so- on social media either you know or, or in my work so writing the piece it was a kind of effort moment to <laughs> yeah. my situation and 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 to try and take one for those those in this wherever they are on it and say wave the flag publicly and I launched a newsletter off the back the back of it and the community that's already grown up in that I mean you obviously have a wonderful community and I've I've been a member of it I am a member of it in terms of of listening to your work and and having the book but I wanted to write I, I can write I do like to write and I had been collating without me realizing it in the notes section lots of thoughts and I don't really have the capacity or the desire to write another book Mm. and I just wanted to start a bit of a thing somewhere so I yes it's called trying it's not just going to be about fertility if if I um, can be completely honest about that you know I think life is trying and there's lots of things that trying applies to but at the moment I'm focusing on that because I've still got loads more to say and I remember a few weeks ago I wrote this piece when I came back from holiday and I just said um, trying not to count was the headline and there's a terrible game you play on holiday and in most scenarios, it seems. And I thought, if I admit this, I wonder if anyone will meet me halfway and say they do it too. And the game is this. It's way worse than playing, I don't know, Rummy or Banana Rama on, on holiday. <laughs> what it's called. I can never remember the name. Um, it's where you look at families, you very quickly try and count how many kids they have oh, and then you try and calculate the age differences. Mm. And it's it's a completely different game to the one you play when you don't have a child, which is awful, as you know, and it's complete. I'm not saying it's a game blithely. I'm saying that sarcastically, you know, where you look at bumps and I still look, yeah. at, I still look at pregnancy bumps. You know, I'm not saying I don't. Of course I do. And pregnancy announcements of my friend's second and third children hit me like a bullet, mm-hmm. um, even though I'm happy for them. I genuinely am. I want them to be happy because they've had miscarriages. And even if they haven't, they deserve it. They really do. They're my friends and I love them. But you play all sorts of things. And by writing, I have found your, your question was, you know, how important has this been? That initial article following then with a the weekly, I do a newsletter every Saturday, and people have subscribed, that that check-in now each week is is actually a beautiful thing. Yeah. And and you get so many comments on it as well, on the, on the posts. Yeah. And, and on Instagram, mainly, if I'm honest, I find Instagram's very... There's lots of negatives about that world, but it, it's largely been very supportive and, and yeah. you know, both ways. I, I'm corresponding with many, many women. Yeah, it's amazing, actually, that community. Um, you said in one of your one of your newsletters that fertile people cannot comfort infertile people. Um, I thought that was very succinctly put. <laughs> what what are your experiences of that? Uh, yeah, that's one of those lines that 
I am quite a succinct person, although maybe you're not finding that on this. But um, no, that's great. <laughs> I um, try to say what I think and get to the point um, where I'm allowed to have views and opinions as a BBC broadcaster. And um, <laughs> I also know that divides people because it's very honest, you know, and that sounds yeah. like I'm getting rid of my original mates and, and trying to find some new ones. On this particular topic, it's so pervasive. Even It's like knotweed being infertile. And it, it comes into all parts of your life, even though you don't want it to. And it does invade and rupture friendships temporarily, mm. I would argue. Mm. I have recovered, and I hope to again, where there hasn't been a fallout, but there's been me probably moving away at times from people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just sometimes need more space. Mm. I quite literally cannot socialize sometimes on these drugs i can do my job i can be i hope a good enough a companion in my family and and you know operate mm. but do i then have anything left to i don't know be a great friend at a late dinner no it's interesting i mean talking about um trying when you already have a baby and the kind of the fact that your triggers are not to do with potentially a bump but rather about the size of families and how many kids they have and that's kind of what what sets you off what's it been like can you make that comparison what it what it was like trying when you didn't have any children at all and then how has that changed for you is it a different type of grief almost when you're going through this so something else I forgot to buy the times article probably because I wrote it in one fell swoop when I was quite upset is that I'm an only child Mm -hmm. and you know that's also part of why I thought I'd have some issues there's quite a lot of only children from the women in my life who all of whom I don't believe have been diagnosed with endo so we all had the same problems and when I found out it was like a light went on for my mother who had just believed you know painful periods were a woman's lot if you Mm -hmm. were unlucky I am I want to say that here because weirdly I don't have the grief that some people do because they've they've got lots of siblings yeah. uh, or they have one sibling even you know because then they look at their child and th- they know firsthand if especially if their sibling relationship has been a positive one what they feel they can't give their child whereas I know firsthand how bloody good being an only child is <laughs> and how the child is not affected yes okay there are certain moments where you know I I can give you examples like I go to used to go to people's houses and I'd be so overwhelmed by how noisy it was mm. whereas I was living with two adults you know we would we would sit and talk at the dinner table there'd be no shouting I mean I'm sure there was for me um <laughs> as ironically as I got older but you know I only had positive experiences in my childhood of being an only child yeah. so I'm not saying I don't have grief but I don't have some of the same grief yeah. I also feel because it wasn't, I now know, secondary infertility, it isn't that. I really have to say this, especially as, you know, you were just mentioning about yourself potentially um, going going again, maybe. Mm. I always have felt since my son was born, our son was born, it just might not happen again. And how bloody lucky we are. And I know I said in that piece, I've come to terms with the fact that I shouldn't just think like that and it's okay to want more and it's not greedy, but I've also managed to stay on two tracks since having him, which is we might not have had him. And it does sober you up in the worst moments. And it makes you realise that the child you have got 
is a full on medical miracle. Like, you know, what a time for women to be alive and men Mm. who can't naturally have children. And yes, we are, of course, aware of of women's rights in lots of areas um, being debated and being tweaked and and legal changes. Mm -hmm. On this particular front, and obviously I'm, I've never, I've not really done much on this myself personally, but I'm very aware of, you know, concerns around prices of IVF, as in yeah. I've not done journalism, that much journalism on this, but I'm very interested in it, around abuse. Panorama did a fantastic insight into the abuse of um, add-ons and yeah. what, what clinics say works when they don't have a green light by the HFEA, the, the Embryology Authority, the regulator. But But putting all that to one side, how it's different now is that I do have a child and, and I will be very sad and upset and there will be grief, but it cannot and will not and must not be at the expense of what we already have managed to create. Do you, do, is the kind of the sadness and the grief the second time around different to the first time around? And I'm including the two and a half years you spent trying naturally as well, because, I mean, for me, the grief during that time was almost the worst part. Yeah, I mean, it's the fact that I... I, I went on Elizabeth Day's friend's podcast, How to Fail, um, mm. and we talked about infertility. And, you know, this was some time after I'd had my son, our son. And the fact that I could still, because, you know, sometimes with grief and pain, you can't really remember it. Mm. The fact mm. that I could still remember where I was for every period with Elizabeth. I- who yeah. has talked and written beautifully about yeah she's very eloquent her isn't she? own issues with this mm-hmm. and and you know she she doesn't yet have a, have a child and I I feel I always feel even more responsibility to make sure I I don't overstretch or say things that are wrong quite frankly mm-hmm. for me to say with a child yeah and I'm sure you you both find that hosting yeah. this now it's, yeah. it when you set it up um you know, but the fact I could when talking to her really remember it all is such an insight into how deep and awful I felt for those two years. I mean, it, it was just the pits and all my friends were having their first children. And I was going to all these birthday parties and baby showers. And even when I wasn't going to those things, I just felt hollow and mm. and sad. And I was the other thing just to say was I was so physically ill with my condition because I couldn't take the pill because that's going to stop you from getting pregnant. But the pill actually used to help me. Oh, mm-hmm. So I was getting, I was getting more and more unwell. And so it was just, I, had this, I had this extra element of physical illness, which was emotionally very hard as well. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that element of the the pill helping the endo. Like that was, and so to feel physical pain as well as like emotional pain at that time, it's just horrible. It wasn't the best. <laughs> Not a great time. It wasn't. The best. Um. So, I mean, you've mentioned um with obviously the the Substack is called trying, and you're interested in in why people keep trying. Mm. How? have you bottled it up how have you kept going through through so many recent rounds is it um is it already having your son that keeps you going or or just you know what's what what have you got there that's that's kept you going each time you do one and it fails you can learn something 
so there's something to tweak there's something to change i'm not talking about add-ons i'm talking about significant medical Mm. tweaks um so then you think well we don't know if that will work we'll you know and i I never like listing my medicines or things i've done because i don't think people should ape each other so i won't go into the specifics but that's not because of privacy i just know how vulnerable everybody is right now yeah Um, it's not helpful and i don't think it is but so there's that which is the medical chat you have yeah Um, emotionally my friend who lives down the road who's my ultimate IVF fairy we met through having our boys she didn't have um fertility treatment to have her son but she did have some concerns and some issues but she happens to be a doctor not in this field but she is now absolutely going through the mill at the same time as me and if I did not have her I mean, of course, my husband gets me, he gets me back to what I would say to like, to base, right? To where I was mm. before, pretty much. He makes me laugh. He, you know, if I if I say, oh my gosh, I'm going to cry. He'll be like, wait, 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 let me just film it. You know, there'll be really dark <laughs> humour that only we can right. get away with, especially in university. Um, mm. But she is the one who I would say has got me back in the ring probably two to three times because when I go down, she goes up and vice versa and she gives me a pep talk. And quite literally, and I, I also know that there's finances at play and even though I am in a, a position to to be able to afford to keep going, it, it's not cheap. It is also a decision on that front. Um, yeah. Even for somebody who you know, is is earning a very good salary. And I can say that not in a conceited way, but because my salary is made public by the BBC. Mm. Today, I think. Yeah, lovely. Um, <laughs> Congratulations. Nice. Yeah, an additional sum of how much of it's gone on IVF. Um, <laughs> the, the thing I was going to say was that lots of things come into play, but what's ultimately got me back in the ring is that I'm not pregnant. Mm. Yeah. Like, it's so binary. You know, it's one of the... You know, it's not like an exam where you maybe you get 70%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's actually quite good. But maybe you would have liked 90, so you go back and do it again. Uh-huh. I'm not a bit pregnant. I'm not a tiny bit pregnant. I'm just, each round, I've not been. And how many how many people have told you to stop during this time? My mother's told me to stop. Great. Um, I think she's the only one who's done it. Oh, that's good. That sounds like you've got a very supportive environment. Or everybody's terrified. I mean, who, who knows? <laughs> um, I, don't talk, I don't talk about it. Actually, I haven't until that piece. I hadn't really been talking about it. We weren't hiding it. I just yeah. don't have the capacity or the interest, really, in most people's opinions. <laughs> fair enough. Absolutely fair enough. Um, what about you? I mean, you mentioned you've mentioned a little bit. You've touched on your casino analogy a few times, and I'd like yes. you to kind of give me the full uh, the full gamut of this analogy because we do love one on the podcast, and I think this is a particularly strong one. So, someone else must have. I mean, I've not heard every episode of your lovely podcast, but someone else must have said this. Have they not? I don't think casino. No, no. Okay, We've got my laboured train one, but I think the casino one's better. <laughs> I missed that one. Um, everyone's so bored of me saying this by now. It's you're on when you're trying for a baby, you're kind of stuck on a train. There's some people at like single and loving at junction behind you, and there's people in front of you who are at like parent station, but you're kind of stuck. And there's 
nobody telling you when the train is going to move and you haven't got any signal on your phone and you can't <laughs> phone anyone and tell them what's happening. It's just really frustrating. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I like that. Thanks, I like thanks. that. Um, yeah, mine's more um, kind of Vegas with difficult croupiers. Um, and <laughs> more glamorous. Difficult chips. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just feel it is a big casino and some of the people you'll meet in there are great. Uh, if you're lucky and you get a good team around you um, and some of the people are not so great. And then even with the great people, you can get a terrible hand and nobody tells you to to cash out, really. You can just keep on going. I mean, not endlessly. And of course, there will be, again, I'm saying this glibly. I just want to signpost that it's been the worst experience. Um, but, you know, some people are told to cash out because yeah. there is no point. Uh, to them pursuing this particular route then they maybe look at donor eggs or donor sperm maybe they then look at other other options completely uh, I, I'm really not saying that glibly but in a lot of scenarios in IVF this is why you hear the stories they're not stories they're they're, they're lives of people mm. going seven eight nine ten eleven plus times yeah you, I mean have you got a red line and this is a very intrusive question feel free to not answer it um but I you know I'm about to go into my my first go at a second and I know that my red line is when I run out of embryos yes well good luck my friend thank you say. um may 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 all the the luck be with you to keep going with the <laughs> casino um yeah I had a, we had a breakthrough because and I know I'm breaking my rule here by saying something specific medically but I feel I can't answer your question without saying it mm-hmm when we got pregnant with the, the baby we sadly lost in, in January, um, we went to Fresh because okay. it was to try and do what we had done originally. Okay. And if that hadn't have worked, that could have been it because it wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And I actually can only bang my head against a brick wall only so many times and be able to recover very well. Yeah. So if we hadn't had some movement, some actual positivity, I'd be out by now. There was, yeah. a, there was a bit of a red line and we didn't hit it in the end. We really thought we had hit it. So what's the new red line? I await, if I'm completely honest. I feel like I'll sort of know. Okay. And I am a decisive person. I make the decisions we together. We make them together. But ultimately, it is the woman who has to do yeah, this. It is. Herself and try and be a mother. If they are very fortunate enough to, to, do, to be so, be a friend, be an employee. Mm. We have to take all of that into account. Yeah. Right. How are you finding... Um... I mean, we touched on earlier what it's like to, to go through this again with a son, but how are you logistically, are you finding that challenging? Oh, yes. <laughs> I go to the hospital when I'm at the height of whichever, you know, the sort of the most interactive bit, if we call it that. The yeah. I go at 5.45 in the morning before the woman's at a news meeting. Oh, my and God. That's because my doctor works really early hours, which we didn't know. So we found this. I mean, that's incredible. Um, so that's good, isn't it? That's a nice way. It's amazing. Um, and I, <laughs> I fit in some stuff, believe it or not, uh. before work, um, and then I fit it in after work. 
That's and then mad. I fit it in at the weekends um, in terms of it's very logistically heavy. And, and you know, I am, I do have such a weird job that, you know, you know where I am 10 to 11 in the morning. It's live. Um, I'm in the, I'm in the BBC. <laughs> so, you know, if anybody, as they had quite, you know, understandably at the beginning of these latest rounds said to me, oh, we'd like to do your embryo transfer at 10.35. I'm like, well, I'll be on air then. So <laughs> We could broadcast it live, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, obviously I thought about that. Right yeah, absolute <laughs> content idea. Um, but, you know, I do have uh, the flex, but it's really limited because I don't do drop-offs in the morning for school. I do the pickups uh-huh. um, and I need to be back for three o'clock. Uh, if not earlier. So this, the windows are very small, but I am extremely fortunate that I also have quite unorthodox hours in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, can we kind of talk about your career? Because, you know, you've written about, yes, 5am appointments. Um, I think you presented an award after an egg collection. Is that right? Yeah, I I actually uh, received an award. Received an an award. Which was even slightly worse because you've make a speech um <laughs> and I, I came off stage and said to my producer so it's all right and she said yeah it was that was great it was really nice I said what did I say uh <laughs> my ability to I mean I think you know adrenaline was pumping and all of that mm-hmm. but yeah I wasn't quite aware of it but um yeah it wasn't great timing and yet at the same time what I if there's like personality types to IVFers so not my usual personality, but the personality I assume in my IVF. Should we try for yeah. that? Uh-huh. Is I don't live and abs- I don't abstain from my life as much as I can possibly help it. I eat what I want, I drink what I want, not once the embryo is put in. Um yeah. I don't do acupuncture, I don't do any complementary medicine, holistic medicine. Mm-hmm. I don't do any of that. I did all that in the two years leading up to the first round and didn't get me pregnant. That's fine. Other people do whatever they need. You know, that's no mm-hmm. judgment. But part of me being me is going on the election trail with that embryo having just been transferred, having been told yeah. to keep, take it easy. And I looked at the nurse and said, OK. And I remember talking to my stomach like a crazy lady. Uh, <laughs> and Hold said, on, don't worry. <laughs> Hey, uh, I don't know who you are. Hope you're going to stick about, but mummy's going on the election trail. And if you want to be with me, this is how the life is. And listen, I just think if the embryo and you are going to happen, they're going to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's how I live. So, yes, I'd only have my eggs taken out, nothing had been put in it, put in, you know, and I, I'm. Yeah, but general saying. anesthetic is. Yeah, no, that, wasn't, that wasn't great. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't great. I, I, I did feel really shaky. I don't want to make out I'm some kind of she-woman. But I really worked hard in my job over the last year. And we'd worked hard as a team. And I was up for best speech, best interview or whatever, best speech presenter. And I didn't know what would happen with it. But I really wanted to go. And because of COVID, we haven't had in-person things for ages, yeah. like those awards. And I got a cab to town stumbled into the venue had a photo sat in my seat and didn't move with a gin and <laughs> six awards in it was our category and we won I mean, it's amazing stuff 
Um, yeah. I, I, my IVF character is, um, oh, I'm doing an IVF. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to become <laughs> freelance. I'm going to lie on the couch for large periods of the day. And I'm going to become a Zen princess without anything <laughs> potentially stressing me out. Um, there's obviously two sides, you know, there's two ways you can go down this, but what, I mean, there's going to be lots of people listening to this that are like, how, you know, should they quit their jobs? You know, how, what's your advice to people who are, are wondering whether they can keep going with their career during all of this? Listen, I make a lot of j- jokes, which I hope is becoming clear to your, your audience, <laughs> as in that hu- humour and sort of glibness is, is part of my MO and coping strategy generally. I know that my job is a, it's, it is stressful, don't get me wrong, it's live, I often do big interviews, political interviews especially as well, which require lots of prep, I stay up late, I read, you know, I'm not doing my job down. But at the end of the day, I get to sit down, which is also really helpful for endo, um, mm. really, really helpful for a chronic pain condition. And it's really helpful for when an embryo sadly has left me and I'm in, a, I'm in the pain for that next period after a failed transfer for me is unholy, right? And I need, mm. I mean, I, I really am so ill. I find work medicine, but I, mm. I can sit down. And for me, it occupies my entire brain for the four or five hours of that day. And I need it. I need it. And and I enjoy it generally anyway, but I really feel it helps, not hinders. If you have a job where you are on your feet, maybe you're a police officer, maybe you're a teacher, hairdresser, all sorts of jobs, you're in the military, I cannot speak to the the conditions that you find yourself in. And I certainly, if you're a lawyer, I mean, I cannot speak to the the levels of stress and whether you are able to push back and manage any of them. I don't know that. But what I do know is some of the most successful people, I don't mean in traditional senses per se, but, you know, good at their job, doing well, going in the right direction, have had to take some time off work. Right. And I... I know that's also not possible financially a lot of the time. And there's the quip, you know, there's the burn. You're trying to pay for IVF as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I, I, don't, I don't know in people's individual situations. So the advice is hard to give. But what I would say is try to reduce in areas where you can if you feel it's taking too much from you. I think there's a lot to be said for that. I think also if you enjoy your job, if it's your happy place... And that's so, that's so much, I mean, my last round, I took time off my job because I just didn't really like my job and it made me feel stressed. Yes. Whereas now I really like my job and I probably won't take any time off. Well, that's nice. Hmm. It is. It's great. Just from a practical point of view, talking about endo, um, how, like, how do you cope with presenting Woman's Hour while you're in a ridiculous amount of pain? Like, how do you do that? (laughs) Um... (laughs) And I speak from a point of view as someone who's just been diagnosed. Oh, Gosh, yeah. Gosh, well, to another club you didn't want to be in. <laughs> How do I cope? Well, I have a hot water bottle sometimes when I'm broadcasting, which never quite managed to make work on telly on Newsnight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I drink a lot of hot drinks, and I take not very many actually because I don't do much, but I do take some painkillers. Right, and I breathe. I do some properly good breathing beforehand. And then I just try and fight my way through the fog that can come into your mind when you are in pain. 
So, you know, the fog of IVF is not similar to, it's quite different, but I know the two types of fog and I'm quite, you know, your brain is a muscle and you can train it. Right. Again, there are some women with endo that could not do this. I'm at stage two of four, or I was, I don't know what my latest part is. I was sort of halfway to the worst, um, but that's still only halfway, if you see what I mean. So some women cannot work at all with this condition, but I am able to just about do it. But now what I don't do, which is a change, and it's not just because I joined Women's Eye, I did it at Five Live and often, you know, working just because of how the roads felt. Some days, you know, whole teams of lots of men. Um, some days it was lots of women. But, you know, I didn't just do this because I went to a so-called women's programme. I don't hide it as much anymore. So I used to put a very brave face on. Now, I, if I'm in pain, you can see it on my face. Not when I'm on air. That's a performance. Get the lippy on. Make people feel good on air. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, but in the run-up to my team will know if it's an endo day because I've got a pained expression on my face and it's extra energy to get rid of it. Emma, we kind of said before that we were going to talk about IVF fairies. I love this concept. I feel like I've had I've got IVF fairies without realising. Mm. Um, tell me what they are and where you find them. <laughs> where are they? They're real. Um, <laughs> my first experience of this and the name, if you like, was given to me by the random woman I met who became mine I was doing I don't spend my life at awards dudes but I was <laughs> awards do your life um, sounds very glam yeah it does doesn't it yeah <laughs> it's, it's not right now but anyway um and I you know you're on stage you work with someone to hand out the awards this woman was there she was lovely and I was doing my first ever injection and I was kind of excited because after two and a half years or two years sorry it was then two and a half two years of nothing I was actually going to try and take some steps to get pregnant that was different than just trying to have sex. So I was kind of pumped for the needle, literally. And um, mm-hmm. I just wanted to tell someone. It was kind of this crazy thing. So I just mm-hmm. told her next to me. It turns out she'd had IVF to have her two children. What I mean, what are the odds? I don't know. But mm-hmm. it was it was quite a special moment. And mm-hmm. we exchanged numbers at the end of the meal. She gave me a couple of tips about putting my needle in, which was really helpful. And... Um, she said, I'll be your IVF fairy. I said, what on earth is that? She said, I'll just be this person who you can check in with anytime you want, ask any questions. And, you know, if you don't want to bother your doctor or you can't get hold of them, just ask me. Like, not medical, but, you know, mm. a bit of support. And it was a really, you know, no strings attached, lovely relationship. And now I do it for a few women. One woman in particular I was thinking of the other day, she really didn't want to share that much but I've just pushed myself onto her which is nice <laughs> uh she did consent don't worry but I just sort of said I think you're gonna need this and she has now started to to tell me a few things that's great I think we call it IVF BFFs don't we it's our version <laughs> um so like one last question before we go and I really liked this in your newsletter the other day you were talking about an older friend advised you to play a drinking game every time you heard something that made you feel sad about IVF can we just um hear the rules of the drinking game (laughs) yeah please how does one how does one play this I was going on a really difficult weekend because everybody had lots of children that they'd had naturally and easily and Actually, their biggest complaint in life was their children. Uh, mm-hmm. the um, and that's not a great situation. Um, no, that's not ideal. I'm the queen of, I can be the queen of barbed remarks or certainly <laughs> storm all up for later. 
because I don't ever really do it to the people because it's not their fault and they're people I often care about so how does one deal with it and my friend who is a lot older said to me well we've got to come on no we've got to devise a strategy for this I said well what's the strategy and she said well, what, what could you reward yourself with each time you have a horrible thought about someone or what they've just said? And I sort of, we talked about chocolate, we talked about cake, and then I just said, well, I love whiskey. And she said, right, this is going to be a really good weekend because <laughs> a very small dribble of whiskey for a very, lim- you know, not that bad a thought, and a very large thing of whiskey if they say something horrific where you think it's so insensitive. So, yeah, I mean, I was pretty smashed. How 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 mentors were you at the end of it? <laughs> uh, the first night was actually all right. Not much went down, as in I had some wine anyway. Um, but yeah, the second night, the the Lefroy got absolutely normal. <laughs> Amazing. It's it's not a drinking game with many rules. It's it's highly unsophisticated. So I'm sorry to. Um, it's basically <sighs> drinking when you feel bad. <laughs> it's nice. It's your little secret, though, isn't it? That's what makes it nice. You're like, yeah. <laughs> Well, Emma, thank you so much for sharing uh, the drinking game and, and of course, your story with us. <laughs> no, thank you. And thank you for um, for setting this up. Yeah. I know it's, it's been a long time now, but... Um, hey, no, it's been great. Just before you go, just tell us uh, like where we can sign up for the newsletter. Oh, yes. Um, well, I think if you are interested in, in what I've had to say, you can sign up. If you just look up Emma Barnett trying on Substack, Substack's a website you can just easily find uh, where lots of newsletters are there's lots of really brilliant ones and you can put your email address there's a box that comes up and then you get a weekly email from me every Saturday awesome well what a joy thank you so much for coming on thank you for having me now it's time for IVF what the F what the F what the F it's back been a while since we've done that i've missed our harmonies i know so beautiful i mean cringe i can't help it though now it just kind of happens no yeah absolutely i can't stop it Um, even if i want to uh what was i gonna say uh yes so we're talking again yeah this is like become quite handy it's a Um, themed episode that we didn't mean to do yeah, we're talking about when you're really arrogant about conceiving a second... No, we're not. Um, we're talking about um, this weird myth that people go on about, which is if you've had a baby via IVF, people seem to think that you'll conceive naturally next time. Mm-hmm. Everyone likes to say it, don't they? Pretty much everyone, I think. Yeah. The next I one, think... oh, okay, watch out. Oh. Yeah, I think uh, like I'm quite lucky because I just go, no, because I don't have any fallopian tubes. Yes, yeah, not actually medically possible, friend. Yeah. Thank you. Whereas you don't have that luxury, do you? I don't. And um, I had sex recently. I'm not using contraception. Who knows what's going to happen, guys? Oh, Watch yeah, this yeah. space. <gasps> <laughs> I like the way you're like, I had sex recently. I know. It's past big news. <laughs> it's big news around here. <laughs> another, another reason you know exactly how old I am. Um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, good luck with that one. <laughs> Thanks. I'll let you know if there's any news. <laughs> um, but I suppose for those of you who don't have um, a complete diagnosis that you will never get pregnant naturally, you know, for the unexplained infertilities amongst us, mm-hmm. um, this is hopefully going to be useful for you. 
Yeah. As a retort to everyone that likes to say that. Take it away, Prof Tim. So we do see this, but I think it is just chance. Most people who have fertility problems don't have a 0% chance of getting pregnant, even for couples where the sperm quality is low or there's a degree of tubal damage, for example. There's often a monthly chance of getting pregnant. It might only be 1%, 2 or 3%, but, it, the, but there is a chance. And so we do sometimes see that people get pregnant straight after or straight before, for instance, their first IVF cycle. Similarly, there'll be many people who have no problems conceiving their first child and then for some reason don't get pregnant when trying for their second child and so end up looking at IVF uh, then. And also, as per this question, we also see that some people have IVF for their first child and then, um, you know, because they are not getting pregnant naturally, and then get pregnant straight away for their second child. And I honestly don't think there's any science behind that at all. I really think it is just an example that uh, for most people there is a monthly chance it can happen whenever. This is the end of this episode. There are more in the series, guys. They're going to come at you like hot slices of audio deliciousness. (laughs) Thanks for that. Do you think? I, I mean, maybe I'm begging us up way too much. No, but. no, I like it. I like it. Um, although I don't um, feel like audio deliciousness right now because I feel just bummed no, up. No, you're too COVIDy. Mm. Yes, so I'm trying to. Maybe I'm trying to overcompensate. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, first of all, the last couple of series we've forgotten to thank people at the end. Oh yeah, okay. So just to thank um, Emma, obviously. Thanks to um, Emma Barnett, who's a ledge. Thanks, Professor Tim. Also a ledge. Um, and thanks, Acast, for hosting. Thanks, Acast. Thanks to you, Gabriella. Thank you. I was waiting. I was waiting. Yeah. Thanks to you, Emma, for recording from the depths of COVID oh, sickness. So bad. Um, and thanks to my clinic for giving me weird content. Yes. Um, but mainly, who are we speaking to next week? We're speaking to someone who I fangirled the hell out of. Um, She may be... A master of design. A master of design. Yeah, a master of interior design, you say. Yes, obviously, we're talking about... um, If you've watched Interior Design Masters, you will know Amy Davies. um, And she... um, let it be known during the series that the, one of the reasons that she applied to the to the program was because of um, her struggles with infertility. So, yeah, we got her on. We got her on. And that, I mean, the minute she she said that and that episode came out, we got many many messages from a, a lot of you guys asking us to to get her on. So we complied, didn't we? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and she yeah. is lovely. I'm very glad we did. Yeah, she's an absolute peach. Um, so. We will see you next week with that. See you next Tuesday. Bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.